There's a handful of things in life that I know that I'm good at. Running a successful podcast, for one, a website, photography, menu consulting, etc. But one of the things where I need help is my gardening, specifically culinary gardening. It's one thing to have a nice succulent or a pretty plant to look at, but there's nothing like growing your own food, herbs, and more. That's why I turn to my friend and friend of the Best Seeds podcast, Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage, for all things culinary gardening. She's an expert through and through who's worked with some of the best chefs and restaurants here in Orange County. Just see the work that she did up at the amazing Poppy and Seed in Anaheim, or some of the work she's doing with chefs like Zach Scher over at the Bellow Chef's Table. She's talented, witty, incredibly smart, and a consummate professional through and through. Whether you're running a restaurant program, a craft cocktail program, or you just want to start growing some great food at home, she has everything you need and more. So to get more information, set up a consultation, or just to see some of the things that she's done in the past, check out heirloompotage.com for more information. I cannot recommend her services enough. Regardless of the fact that she's a supporter of the show, I still use her services even outside of the best seats. A consummate professional through and through, I cannot recommend Heirloom Potage enough for all things culinary gardening. Once again, that's heirloompotage.com. This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 132 of the Best Seats Podcasts, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality industry from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. Thank you to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show and you're listening to it on free feeds, whether that be Spotify, Apple, wherever that may be, please consider leaving a rating and or a review. It helps the show find new audiences. Uh, you can find more content like this over at TheBestSeats.com. You can obviously learn more about Patreon at TheBestSeats.com slash Patreon. You can check out merch, uh, new incoming blog posts to start the year. I kind of took the first week of the year off, but now we're kind of hitting the ground running. Now that news stories are finally starting to come out again, um, everybody's kind of coming out of hibernation as we enter 2024. But don't forget the very best experience. If you want to skip all that and get right to the good stuff is only found at patreon.com forward slash the best seats where you can sign up at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you or sign up for free. There will be some free content dropping. Um, I think first week of February, I'm going to open up some free content for people just to kind of get a preview of what that's like over there. But that's where you can get early ad free listening to each and every episode. You get those a week before the public. You get uh, in perpetuity, by the way. So no ads ever on any of these new episodes or past episodes. You get exclusive access to all the bonus episodes, which launched in 2023. I think there's, I don't know, there's like 45 or 50 of them now at this point, something like that. Um, you will also get exclusive access to the upcoming new show, I Know What You Did Last Sunday, where we, well, me, reading, 
reviewing and rating your very best Sunday scary stories that you can submit over on the best seats or on Patreon, either one. But let's get to it. That's enough housekeeping. Episode 132, um, there were a couple fun trends. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm finishing off a head cold as I know a lot of people are here in Orange County. There were a couple fun trends that happened last year where episodes would kind of line up that shared a similarity. There were a couple episodes in a row all about wines. There were a couple episodes in a row that kind of followed different themes. Unintentionally, it was just one of those things where they just happened to organically do that. This is another one of those episodes because we're going back to an Italian restaurant. Now, we recently just talked about Trattoria Trullo, which just opened up in Elisa Viejo. That's a brand new restaurant. We're still keeping the Italian, but we're going the exact opposite. My guest for this episode is Domenico Morici. He is one of the brothers and owners and founders of Il Faro which is a restaurant, Italian restaurant over in Newport Beach on Balboa. Um, and whereas the prior guest's restaurant at the time of this recording will be about, I don't know, 10 days old. Ilfato has been around, wait for it, 31 years. 31. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing for any business, let alone a restaurant where the open close rate within the first year is just astronomical. I mean, this is a this is a widely, widely known fact at this point, thanks to news and social media and programs like The Bear showcasing how hard this industry just is. This is a brutal industry. 31 years in an area of Orange County that places seem to open and close all the time. That's a real big achievement. I sit down with Domenico this episode to talk about that history, how El Fado came to be, what is, I mean, what does 31 years of service look like? I mean, you're going to, you're going to see some changes having a place open for six months. You're going to see, I mean, again, menus change out after the first week sometimes. 31 years of history. That's a really cool thing. You don't need to hear about it from me, though. You need to hear from the man himself because we got a lot to unpack in episode 132 of the Best Seats podcast featuring Domenico Morici of Il Faro in Newport Beach. Enjoy. Domenico, thank you for taking the time to sit down today at Il Faro. Um, 31 years of a restaurant is an amazing thing, and I want to talk all about that. I want to talk about DM Estate, your winery. I want to talk about the entire history of this place. But before we dive into all of that, would you mind taking a moment to introduce yourself, give a little bit of your background, and talk about kind of how Il Faro came to be? Yes, nice to be here. Nice to meet you too also. Uh, basically, I I grew up in this business since my young age. Uh, when I was uh, was young, I... You know, I, I Basically, I born uh, in South Italy, in a coastline, and uh, uh, there is a lots of hotels, and restaurants. It's a very tourist area. So, I, when I was young, I asked one uh, one friend of my father, he had a camping, and asked him, "Can I work there for the summer?" And he said, "Well, let me check." Uh, basically, yes, he checked. He put him in the kitchen to wash dishes. You know, fifteen years old. Yeah. So. And from there, you know, working with the chef uh, the whole summer uh, by washing dishes and putting uh, the preparation, I liked the job and then I went to culinary school. So basically after that, uh, my high school uh, was culinary school and so on. Then uh, after that, uh, you know, in this kind of business, more experience you acquire, you better become. So working uh, six months here, six months there, all over Italy, I end up in Switzerland, I end up in France, I end up in London. So, and I end up over here in America. 
because I got a contract, like a work contract, six months. So I came over here, basically. And after that, I went back to Italy and I come back again. So this was 1986, basically. After a few, few years over here, I liked a lot, even though in, 90, in 1991, I was ready to, to go back to Italy. But, mm. uh, and then this opportunity happens uh, from uh, a friend of mine that had a restaurant and, he's, and the, one of the broker asked him, uh, oh, there's, a, there's an opportunity to have a new restaurant, you want it? He said, no, but I have a friend of mine. That friend of mine was me. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened, basically. Uh, we opened this place in Faro in and uh, since then, uh, thank God, uh, we're still here. 1993, I mean, 31 years, again, we're recording this, you know, first week of January in the new year, 2024, 1993, that's a long, that's a long time for any business. I mean, yes. 31 years is a respectable career for anything, but in hospitality, it's, it's almost unheard of. There's very, very few places that have that kind of reputation and success yes it's a uh, hard work you know restaurant business hard work many hours yeah and uh, they basically what uh, is the when you serve uh, good food prepare the moment nice and fresh that that is a quality the quality bring customer back there's a lot of places that can kind of fall into a rhythm and they get very comfortable and consistency is a good thing as far as your experience and kind of some of the flavors you want to deliver. But again, people are always, they seem to always be wanting to look for what's new and what's next. And how have you, I mean, how has 31 years made it? Is it just consistent quality? Is it just giving customers that experience? I mean, basically what would you say has been some of the key factors to making it three plus decades? Yes. Uh, Customer service, making customer happy. Of course, they come back because they like the food, they like the service, they like the ambience, and so on. So basically, uh, best service ever is possible. Naturally, I cannot give only myself the best service. I know employees. <laughs> yeah. So and uh, sometimes you have a beautiful team, but sometimes you don't. Like anything. So. Uh, hard work. Hard work uh, is uh, probably and best uh, serving the best quality of food. So I want to talk about the food because um, the irony thing is if people are listening to these episodes, you know, sequentially, we just had on um, another Italian chef. Um, Italian food is beloved. I mean, to say that, you know, diners here in the States really love Italian food would be an understatement to the point where there's entire television shows just about walking around Italy, eating and eating and eating and people freaking love Italian food. <laughs> the food here though, Il Faro, you guys do specialize in Faro based dishes and things like that. It kind of describe for people that may not have been here and for 31 years, it's astounding if someone hasn't been here at that point, but describe kind of the food to people because it is, I think a lot of people think Italian and they think certain dishes, but this is a region that you're from and it is different types of dishes. So Yes, uh, basically we don't only serve farro. I will explain a little bit what's farro, but uh, we we serve uh, uh, a little bit of everything. Italian food is endless; it is infinite. Yeah. Uh, you can create anything with anything, not just pasta. But you know, Italians uh, they don't only eat pasta and pizza like a most American thing. We actually uh, pasta is a middle dish; it's not actually a main course. And pizza is just a night easy, easy out. So, but Italians go out for uh, wild games, seafood, uh, 
something very unique and different. No, believe it or not, you don't find chicken in the restaurant in Italy. <laughs> you don't find chicken. And so in some cases, you don't even find steak. You find steak like a very thin, for some customer, they, they ask for it. Otherwise, you don't even find steak unless it's like a typical steak like in Florence, Fiorentina, etc. Yeah. So Italians eat wild games and lots of seafood. So when you go, Italian go out, believe me, it's not just half an hour, one hour dinner. You spend three hours there. <clears throat> three hours of appetizer, uh, and then you have uh, uh, pasta, and then you have fish, and then you have meat, then you have cheese, then you have dessert, fruit, and uh, liqueurs at the end. A of course, experience. the best wine. Yeah. Oh, no, wine, enjoy wine, enjoy everything. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, the, uh, regarding farro, the idea of farro is um, <clears throat> is an organic grain. Basically, this grain uh, I found out from a friend of mine in Tuscany. He, I just went to see him to visit. He had also a winery, uh, Chianti. Mm -hmm. So I uh, made a deal uh, to to bring this Chianti here in America and and serve it. So and then I saw that he had uh, this grain in a bottle. Yeah. I said, uh, what's that? He said, farro. Farro, and then he, st he started explaining to myself. And then uh, I made a deal to bring farro too, not just wine, but farro. But not just farro, but farro pasta. So, I, of course, it's a new item, very difficult to sell over here. It's a little more expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it was hard to introduce. And uh, since I brought it to distribute, and didn't, did not go well. And I said, well, why not uh, actually open the restaurant of the name El Farro? So Farro is a grain which uh, mostly, it was, it was uh, the, <clears throat> the food for the Romans. Okay. You heard the Romans, legions, and when they stopped, they had the grain. The grain, if you hear the grain, the grain is uh, what uh, they used to buy, the most necessity for the legions to stop and eat, cook and eat. So they didn't know really what this grain was about it. It's just a grain that this, they eat every day. But then, uh, then it was uh, put aside because you know, it was very hard to cultivate. No, it's not hard to cultivate, but hard to take out from the husk. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, so it's very really, protected, really which things. doesn't need uh, no pesticides. And, beautiful, uh, but it was producing a little bit, comparing with other grain that produce more. So it was put aside without knowing all the benefits from it. So about 30 years ago, it was um, discovered in this uh, small village in Garfagnana. <clears throat> Garfagnana is a, a small village in Tuscany. So they noticed that um, people live longer, lots of energy, 90 years old, they still make love, this and that. And they start analyzing the grain and they find out all those um, benefits uh, that they give to the body, A, B, C, and E <coughs> vitamins. Mm -hmm. And uh, high energy, low in gluten, low in carb, high in fiber. And from there on, it's become very popular. So I, will, I was happy to introduce over here in America. Yeah, yeah. been a staple for a while. Um, over the course of all the years that the restaurant has been open, how 
for you, and it, it can be, I'm kind of basing this question off of the food, but I guess some of the bigger trends in general, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen, whether it's, you know, certain dishes that have come and gone or certain things that have stuck around all these years, or maybe the habits of some diners when they come in, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen? Yes, uh, we saw lots of changes uh, in, in the dining uh, before uh, 30 years ago, uh, it, uh, Americans mostly, they, they didn't know really uh, much. Uh, they only know spaghetti meatballs yeah. and ravioli and stuff like that. But now they go to more to the ventures. Now they go very much to the ventures. Now also people travel, they have more experience, stuff like that. So, and now uh, people like to try new food and uh, and they like to have the experience from it. You mentioned the, the kind of the seafood and wild game and things like that. Are those items that you've brought to the menu before? Because we a game did, especially is a tough uh, one we for a did, lot of uh, Yes, we did many times to introduce uh, uh, wild games mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, fish, like a small mm-hmm. fish, not those big fish. Yeah. Uh, but it has been hard because... Uh, they don't like to see the head or the fish. Yeah. They don't. Uh, if they find the bone, they show you, "Hey, I find the bone." Thing like that, you know. Because of course, <laughs> they're, they're scared that yeah. they might swallow yeah. and then they might. Uh, uh, how do you say when you? Oh, like choking. Choking, yeah. exactly. So, uh, it's been uh, hard. It's been very hard. Even though we do introduce now, they're actually going to the ventures. We do have. A, of course, in America, we have any kind of people here. Yeah? yeah, and they would love actually to find. Uh, Small um, branzino, sea bass, yeah, cooked whole. Because cooked whole, a fish is much, much better flavor with the bone and the skin. And the, you know, believe me, uh, when you eat something like that, it's something different instead of better. eating yeah. a, a steak uh, or fish, which, uh, yes, of course, always beautiful. But if you try to eat a small fish, if you want to, i cook for you one day. <laughs> <laughs> and then you will see if you never had it. Uh, you can tell the difference between one and another. So. We, so we're recording this episode at the restaurant, obviously kind of pre-service here on a Monday. Um, for people that haven't been here, the restaurant is out on Balboa Peninsula in Newport Beach. Um, this is a, I mean, Balboa, Newport's its own animal, but Balboa especially is a completely separate thing. I mean, the summer times here alone are just nuts with the tourists and everything else. 30 years out here on Balboa, what are some of the changes that you've seen Newport Beach go through? Yes, we did see a big change, believe it or not. When we first got over here, it was a bunch of gangs, this and that, uh, shooting on the beach, I swear. Really? Oh, I swear, yeah. And then over the sun, the nice clean up, now it's, be- it's become a more, uh, more beautiful, more uh, very busy around, the people enjoy coming down here. Of course, Parking is a problem, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people. But can uh, yeah, it's become a very, very nice now. Uh, finally, the city they open up. Before there were, yeah, shall I say, like a bull, you know, <laughs> they don't, they don't change nothing. Every time you go to the city, they will say, "Oh, can I do this? No. no. Can I do that? No." So basically, I knew that every time I go to the city, everything was no. The answer was no. But now, finally, they open up. Now they open up. You, there is, uh, they, they allow more license around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before, no, no liquor license, no, nothing. <laughs> so now they, they open up, and it's uh, more pleasurable around. The people uh, come all over here. They yeah. even come from Europe too, because basically, they made this video. This um, they made a, a show, something Newport. Uh, 
Or like a tourism beach. video or yeah, something like that. Yeah, believe it, the old European come over here. They ask, where, where was this, where was that? I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so I found out there was a home there in the, uh, up here, not far away. They were just shooting in a, in a nice home, and they're shooting around. And so that drew people that out. That bring a lot of European here, yes. Nice. There's, um, I mean, there's no lack of new places opening and, and closing. I mean, it's just the nature of this industry that places are going to open, places are going to close. Um, what's it like for you when you look around and, oh, this place is open, well, now this place is closed, and yet you guys have maintained, you've endured, you've just, I mean, existed. I mean, there's very few places, not just in Newport, in Orange County as a whole, that have the type of storied reputation that Ilfano does. What is that like for you when you look around and you see places opening or closing and changing and rebranding and yet you've maintained? Yes, uh, of course you see uh, a restaurant opening and closing. Uh, some they make it, some they don't. Uh, uh, but quality, again, quality food. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that, uh, the price and uh, the quality of food basically. Yes, uh, they close because uh, they don't. Uh, uh, people like to invest because they'll have a dream to open a restaurant without knowing anything. Mm -hmm. So they might put uh, the the right person, the right people uh, before, and then they don't. And people leave, and then everything goes down. Uh, customer come, they don't see the, the normal people. Uh, you know. So mostly small mom and pop we call over here. Yeah. They they might uh, go down. A big company, you know, big company they. They they go straight. They have one guy cooking only one thing. A second second guy cooking the same thing. You know, like a chain yeah. of uh, cooking. If you change, it, oh, what's happening here? If uh, the customer asks, oh, can you add the garlic to it? No, sorry, we can't. <laughs> Instead, they come over here and they they make their own dish. Yeah, we try to accommodate any 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 that anything that the customer like to order. If nice. we have it, naturally. Yeah. Um, we, it's, so we talked about kind of the food, but we have to talk about the wine a little bit because you have a winery out in Temecula, DM Estates, that I want to talk about. I mean, how did this come to be? Because again, I think it's a long-term dream for a lot of people to have a winery. And Temecula especially, I was on a press trip out there uh, earlier, uh, well, not earlier this year because it's now 24, but um, in 2023. It, it very much is like Italy. You see a lot of Italian varietals, whether they're kind of Fianos, Montepulcianos, things like that. Yes. I mean, there's a lot out there, but how did DM Estates kind of come to be? Um, basically, I grew up in uh, South Italy. Yeah. And uh, basically, my, my family was farmers. My grandpa had a farm, my, grand, my father, and I used to make uh, basically wine with my grandpa. Okay. And then with my father. So growing, I grew up, in this type of uh, uh, of life, uh, yeah. making your own wine home, and naturally it's different, making a small quantity and making a big quantity. <laughs> so uh, that is, um, that's inside my blood, uh, having this type of uh, lifestyle, uh, making your own wine, and, uh, and hopefully uh, making the best and uh, introduce to the customer too. So how did it come about? I mean, did you come out and it, were you just working with somebody and kind of like buying their grapes initially or having them make it? Or did you just stumble across the land and you they already had the vines? I, I bought a, a not big property, you know, a small property. Yeah. Three, it's only three acres, you know, so it's not very big. So 
Yeah, uh, we uh, bought the property and uh, it was a, a vineyard inside, uh, but it was kind of abandoned. So okay. I take everything apart and uh, plant uh, new ones. And Cabernet, Cabernet Franc, Merlot. Yeah. And uh, this is actually what you see over here is Italian. This is a, we select a winery in Italy. We made a private label, but um, uh, I have other label here local from Tamekula. Maybe I'd like to, to show you. It's got to be kind of nice when you have a restaurant and you're obviously a big part of having a restaurant is having your drinks program. And it's got to be kind of nice to be able to be bringing in your own stuff. Yeah. Hey, you want to try the wine I make? It? Yeah. <laughs> and people actually, they love it to 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 taste, oh, you really, you make it? Yes, I made it. They try, oh, I love it, so on. What does that give you the ability to do pairing-wise? I mean, are you able to do kind of your own wine dinners with your own wine and pairings and things like that? And I mean, because again, Temecula, for people that haven't been out to the wine country out there, it does, it leans very well towards Italian varietals. For whatever reason, a lot of those grow very well out there. So I have to imagine it brings a benefit just to the entire customer experience. They do. Uh, they do uh, in, it, in uh, they grow in Temecula lots of different varietal yes and, uh, and some are good some are not uh, Temecula is becoming more uh, more adventure now they're yeah. becoming uh, very popular now is become very the, the one is very well known can you imagine that the, the local winery they even produce what they sell there at the winery yeah so and in some cases they even bring from outside because they don't have enough to sell so and uh, they are bring, bringing good winemaker in and uh, they start making very very good wine yeah i think when i was out there i think a lot of the wineries we went through almost a hundred percent is direct to consumer sales so they're not yeah. wines that you find in stores and exactly things like that. because they don't produce enough yeah what are some of your kind of again it's so uh, running a restaurant can be so draining there's so much that goes into it from the day-to-day -day, the operations managing staff food customers how have you basically kept your sanity throughout all this i mean a lot of people Believe get me. two years in and they're done you but. know the italian stuff sometimes you lose insanity <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the ways that you find to kind of relax to be able to kind of step away and, and take hey, a breath things like that go in yeah. the vineyard and walk around and uh, that's a really relaxing place to to do because you just uh, go in uh, in the middle of, of the green and uh, the vineyard, you start working around. That's a really relaxing uh, things to do for me. Um, this many years in a restaurant with this much quality, a lot of customers, I mean, these are places that generations of people have come. You know, people's grandparents have come here with their parents and then they bring their kids here. I mean, to say that this is a family operation and a family environment, I think would be an understatement. What's that like to literally see entire generations of families come through your doors and enjoy your food? Exactly, you're right. We see naturally, we see the grandparents that come with their children and and the children bring their new grandchildren. And now we see these grandchildren married with the kids. 30 years, yeah, 30 years is a long time. So amazing. the what you we, we see it in this past 30 years uh, where of course you don't see the grandpa no more grandma yeah. but now we see the grandkids with uh, other family it's, it's a beautiful thing if you had to guess top of your head because i can't not ask this question now that i have the opportunity to with this much history here over under 
how many engagements have happened inside these walls? Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> we do have couples that they come all the time to celebrate their anniversary uh, because they say, oh, this is a bring us good luck. They, we see a lot of engagement over here. You yes. say 31 years, you've outlasted most marriages. Yeah, forget <laughs> of restaurants. Yeah, you've outlasted That's relationships. That's true. We saw, we saw lots <laughs> of, uh, we made a lots of wearing too here. And of course, we, they are read apart because we yeah. see them back. Uh, but it's nature, it's life, uh, you know, what can you do? It's that thing happens in life. Uh, yes, we see a lot of our, uh, all the new customer, they come over here to celebrate their anniversary or wedding or engagement yeah. and so on. Ultimately, a restaurant, um, a bar, any type of hospitality space like this, you need people in seats, right? You need to put butts in seats. You need people coming through the doors. How do you constantly find new customers? How do you continue to kind of get the word out about the restaurant and, and let people know that, yes, we've been here a long time, but because I think some people have a tendency to look at a restaurant that's been around a while and they're not excited by it or they don't kind of see the value in the fact that it's been here for that long and that storied of a history. How do you keep finding new people and new customers to come through? We, you know, we always like to ask the customer, you know, what, what brought you here and stuff like that. And uh, then most of the time they say, oh, we had the referral from uh, our friends most of the time. So customer referrals always has been the number one. Uh, advertisement, uh, honestly, we don't do much now, of course, uh, with this new technology, media and stuff like that, we try to, and then we have email list, so we, we refresh up our customer, sending us, uh, sending them the emails and we tell them what's going on, what we do today or yeah. what, uh, but uh, word of mouth. I mean, yeah, for, for customer referrals to be kind of the number one way, that really says something. I mean, yeah. that's a testament to kind of the legacy of this place and the food and the quality and the experience that people have. Yes. How how much of a sense of pride does that give you? It's beautiful when you see uh, always customer they come in here and they say hello, how are you? It's almost like a become a family. Yeah, you know they come. They love to see you back here and uh, chat a little bit, uh, have a little conversation. How's life, family, stuff like that? Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Are there any years in particular? I mean, because again, outside the walls of the restaurant, you know, the rest of the world is still turning. Things are happening. Real life events are happening. Whatever it may be, are there any years that you look back on that really stand out as just a great? great year, whether it was just events in life happening or things like that. But I mean, because again, a lot of people don't get to look back on multiple years of a restaurant like that. So are there any periods of time, I guess, that you really love? Like, man, the late 90s were awesome. Like we survived 2000. Like, I mean, we survived COVID. I mean, there were a lot of things. Are there any periods of time that you really love in this place? It's always a beautiful time, but the, the, I, th I think that the most uh, beautiful time is uh, the first years where we really uh, were young and uh, we had fun uh, uh, working and, uh, and that was, I think, the, the best first years, the first 10 years. And then, uh, of course, you know, when you get to the same routine, uh, it's normal, stuff like that. Yeah. But, of course, there's always an up and down in restaurant, you know. We do have a high season, low season here. Uh, but overall, uh, naturally, COVID, that affect a lot, you know, those couple of years really affect. But overall, uh, 
I think that the opening, the first 10 years opening was the most beautiful years. What would you say are some of the biggest changes you've experienced, whether it was kind of technology, like you said, different marketing practices, maybe certain tastes of customers changing, things like that. What are some of the biggest changes that you've experienced in all the time here? Hmm. Changes. Uh, my gosh. Uh, technology. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Technology change a lot. Huh? It's amazing. Oh my just, gosh, just I remember <laughs> almost uh, 1990, the first phone come up. Uh, we still had the, uh, I remember that, uh, yeah, in 1990, we had, I uh, had the big phone uh, with me. And now, where we are, now we can do no- nothing without a phone. At the time, still was the beginning of this mm-hmm. uh, new technology, this modern, uh, and of course, we used to take the order by pen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm looking at the Toast no, POS no, system over no, your shoulder now. now when, when, yeah. when electricity goes out, everyone is panic. What do I do? I say, come on, take a piece of paper, write. Yeah, write it down. This is yeah. it. They, they, believe me, they're completely in panic. They, they, they're like, oh my gosh, what do we do now? So. Um, we're going to start to wind down this main episode um, soon, and I'm going to keep you around for another bonus episode because I have a lot more questions that I want to ask, which people can find over on Patreon. But I want to ask Newport Beach, um, I kind of mentioned it earlier, it's such a unique place. It really is. I mean, for people, even inside Orange County, when people think about it, they're like, oh, Newport, like it's, it's, it can be very different. What are some of the best things about having a restaurant here? And then also, what are some of the hardest things about having a restaurant here on Balboa? Newport Beach, like you say, is really beautiful. It's unique. You know, you find a very, uh, probably in California, you find a very few home in the beach like here. Yeah. So it's a big destination to come and uh, and uh, purchase a property on the beach, uh, and that's why they're expensive because they're only very few. It's a just a beautiful place. It's uh, uh, from. Uh, People, uh, young people, old people, uh, you name it, uh, tourism, you find everybody around here is just a, just a beautiful place. Yeah. And then I guess the challenges would be things kind of like parking and things like that, which I guess comes with most places that are beach towns. Well, naturally, parking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, parking uh, is our, actually is also our big, uh, big problem here yeah. because uh, restaurant, uh, customer come and they don't find the parking sometime and they leave and we have a reservation and then we have an empty table because that happens a lot, unfortunately, yeah. yes. That's just the sad reality of beach towns. I don't think anybody's immune from that. Um, all this time in this space, all these memories, all the things that have happened here, it's a lot to look back on. And we've unpacked a lot of that kind of during this main episode, I think pretty well. What does the future look like? Is there another 31 years in it for you? I mean, because again, this is a lot of work and... and Yes, I would hope so. I don't think I see it, but (laughs) 30 more years, I well, uh, uh, hopefully yes, but probably not. You know, now age goes, so you get more tired of it. Uh, But um, yeah, hopefully another 10 years probably. Maybe more, who knows? Yeah. What is your, I mean, in that, like I said, that being a lot of work, what does your day-to-day look like? I mean, because you, again, we also have the winery that we mentioned. Yes. Are you, how often are you here? How often are you out in Temecula? Yes. Um, basically, right now, I only spend a couple of days in Temecula. The rest, I spend them over here. So, uh, you know, restaurant business is always uh, planning uh, what to what to cook today, yeah. uh, come up with some new specials, new, new ideas, stuff like that. Uh, you know, 
you have a delivery coming, uh, you have a, a paperwork, there's this day by day, there's always something to do. It's yeah, in the restaurant like a child business. That doesn't want to go to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, restaurant business, you got up uh, even uh, when the restaurant is not open, you're actually working. Just like now, where I'm bothering you by having you do a podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're going to wind down this main episode. Um, again, I'm going to have a bonus episode, which people can find on Patreon, because I have a couple more questions that I want to ask you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, some very, so a little more candid questions about pastas and such, because I yeah. am curious about them. Um, if people wanted to learn more about the restaurant, look into making reservations, come out and dine and enjoy it and kind of experience this history for themselves, websites, things like that, where can people find all that at? No, you are you talking about uh, where where you can find yeah. us? Yeah. Well, of course, you know we we of course elfaro.com is our website. Over there, we have our menu, uh, and uh, you basically you Instagram, Facebook. We do have those sites, uh, but uh, you know basically. Uh, would you like me to come invite? by? Just would come, you like just me come to, by. to invite the people. Yes. <laughs> so if you want to have a nice. Dish prepared at the moment for you, cooked at the moment. Like we make a homemade pasta, handmade pasta. Basically, we actually specialize in handmade pasta, ravioli, pappardelle. Yeah. And we, we always change. Uh, sometimes we made it with uh, spinach, sometimes we make it with beets, sometimes we make uh, you name it. There's no end to make uh, actually pasta. Any, any kind of vegetable actually can make pasta. And uh, naturally, nice seafood, mm-hmm. our farro. Yes, we do have steak. Uh, we have a chicken, we have a veal, uh, we have lamb. Uh, we have a little bit of everything, basically. This is just making me hungry. Perfect. Um, well, I want to thank you for the main time on this episode. Like I said, we're going to stick around for a bonus one really quickly. But in the meantime, uh, just congratulations. I mean, credit where it's due. I mean, 31 years in this industry is, is nothing to not off at. And again, with a beautiful wine being made out in Temecula, and it's... Yeah, just raising a glass and, and cheers to continued success. And cheers. thank you for the cheers thank you for you. the time and deeply appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to Domenico for taking the time to sit down. Um, thank you to everybody that kind of helped facilitate that. Obviously, it's public relations, Chicago PR, they did a great job setting that all up. Shout out to them. Um, shout out to Newport actually having parking um, on Balboa. That was awesome. So whatever I did to put that karma in the universe, awesome. Thank you to everybody that supports on Patreon. I could not do the show without you. Um, every single dollar that is raised there goes right back into the best seats and it helps make the show better. So you help them, uh, make the show better. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Thank you to everybody that supports on free feeds. Again, if you're listening to an episode and you love it, consider sharing it. It's just the way the game is played these days with social media and algorithms and all that fun stuff that none of us really understand. But I appreciate the shares. Be sure to check out thebestseats.com for more content just like this. Thank you to uh, my advertising partners. Thank you to Ali Coyle. Thank you to everybody. Go eat some Italian food. Dry January is over. Stuff your face. Have some fun. Everybody, I will see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash The Best Seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. John Sanchez, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Eric Lutz, Morito Norito, Sasha Lyons, Jay Baker, Subtle Bubbles, Burger Meister, It Ain't Easy Being Greasy, Tim Swine, 
Thank you for your support. And one quick edit also, thank you to Zach Share. I didn't have time to re-record a new thing for the shout-outs to Patreon subscribers. That will be on the next episode. But thank you again for your support.